want to welcome you all here as we, as we move into this 11th presentation. Can you believe it? Our 11th presentation, which I've entitled God's GPS. And those who are watching online, want to welcome you also or on DVD. Um, thank you for joining us on this journey in God's Word. GPS. What does GPS stand for? Global Positioning System. Isn't that right? And many of us have used the GPS. Um, but I want to talk to you about God's GPS. Now you'll be thinking, what? God has a GPS? Absolutely. And God's GPS is found in His Word, and I refer to it as God's perfect solution. God's what? Perfect solution, GPS, for peace and happiness. So are you ready to explore what God's perfect solution is, what God's GPS is, for how we can have peace and happiness? Are you ready? Well, this is a GPS. How many of you use a GPS? How many of you prefer to use the old map? Oh, there's a lot of true blue mappers. Well, do you know what? A GPS will generally take you to where you want to go. But not always. Did you know that? Yes, some of you are nodding. You can actually come to grief. You can come to grief following a GPS. Absolutely. Some of you are nodding. I discovered on ABC News website back in October of 2015 that a man was following his GPS that took him on a train track and he jumped out of the train jumped out of the train he jumped out of the car he jumped out of the car just in time before the truck train truck train I'm all over the place before the train slammed into his car a driver who turned on to a suburban railway line in Melbourne while following GPS directions manages to jump from his car moments before it is hit by a train you can't always rely on your physical GPS, but this afternoon we're going to discover that we can indeed rely on the GPS that God has given to us in His Word. I want to put it to you this afternoon that without a moral compass, we are thrown into a state of confusion. And I believe today, and I'm seeing it more and more, that morality is going by the way. We have lost our moral compass. Not that we're losing we have literally lost our moral compass as a Western society in particular. I want to put it to you also that something is fundamentally wrong with our society. You all know that. That's not news to you. Um, we all live in, in the 21st century and we're all aware that something is horribly wrong. Moral standards which once were rock solid are now non-existent. There is no longer right and wrong. Today it's relative. There are more gray areas today than ever before. Nothing is right and wrong anymore. Our society, sadly, has turned its back on God's moral standards. Who needs God? I mean, who is going to put their faith and trust? Who is even going to take the time to read this dusty old book of fables? Is what many people say. I mean, it's 2,000 years old at the very least up to three and a half thousand years old. I mean, look, how can this book speak to me who I'm, I'm living in 2018? Come on, please. Give me a break. How can this book speak to me and to where I'm at today? That's what a lot of people are suggesting and, and, and that's where things are at, especially here in Australia. Talking about morality going down the toilet, um, this is a website, Ashley Madison. It was on the news um, a little while ago, 
and there they advertise, and you can go on this website if you want to have an affair. This is for married people to have an affair. And notice the, the catch line. Life is short, have an affair. Who cares about marriage? I mean, please, you're not silly enough to think that marriage is, 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 is going to continue to be happy and successful with the same person. You need to spice up your marriage by having an affair. Come to this website and we'll hook you up for a small fee. Today we're living in a time where people are interested in having a good time. Nike, what's Nike's motto? Just do it. If it feels good, just do it. You're here for a good time, not a long time, so party on, have a great time, and don't worry about the consequences. Who cares about what the consequences are? Live life now, enjoy the moment, don't worry about tomorrow. Isn't that basically how our society functions by and large? Absolutely, absolutely. Not religious anymore. These were signs that you may have come across um, before our census in 2016. Mark the no religion box if you are not religious anymore. A lot of money was put into this campaign. Why? Because the more people tick the box on the census that they're not religious, the more money that that particular group of individuals get for their particular, uh, for, for their particular purposes. And so guess where the no religion box ended up? By coincidence, it ended up where? Right on top. Do you remember filling out the census? Well, hopefully you did fill out the census. Everybody was supposed to fill out the census. In 2016, the no religion box was right at the top for a very good purpose. Before this, it used to be where? At the bottom. So we've gone from the bottom to the top. Okay, there's obviously uh, a very carefully orchestrated plan to have as many votes for no religion as possible. And so this is what we discovered. According to this news article in 2017, ABC News website, census results, Australians are getting older, they're ethnically diverse, which is no surprise to anyone, and losing their religion. How badly are we losing our religion? Well, this was from the same article. Have a look. Religion in Australia, the Christian religion 50 years ago was up around 90%. Now it's down to about 50% of those who ticked um, the various Christian boxes. No religion has basically gone from zero 50 years ago to about 30%. So as you can see, Australia is becoming more and more godless. We are losing our interest in God, in the things of God, in the Bible, and we wonder why things are going off the rails. Could it be, could it be that there's a reason why our society is going off the rails? I believe there is, and that's what we want to address this afternoon. Jesus, in fact, told us that before he comes, there would be uh, an explosion in, in this very area of godlessness, especially... We can see that clearly in the Western world. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12. Jesus said, and because what? Lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The two go hand in hand. You do away with God's holy law, you do away with love, true love. This is not talking about the, the lovey-dovey kind of love. This is not talking about the love that I have for my cat, the love that I have for chocolate the love that I have for my football team. No, 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 no. The love that Jesus is speaking of here is the word agape that is used there. 
And agape love, there are four words for love, but the word agape means self-sacrificing love. It means being committed love. And that love is basically going out the window. And that's what Jesus said would take place before he comes. I've shared this with you on a previous occasion. The, the study from Arnold Toynbee, who was um, probably one of the, if not the most famous historian of the 20th century. Um, he wrote a number of books. I don't know if anyone here has read anything from Arnold Toynbee, but he wrote an epic series, 12-volume epic series over a period of 30 years from 1934 to 1961, and he traced 19 civilizations, 19 civilizations in human history that have started, have arisen to greatness, and then have finally disintegrated. And he entitled his study, A Study of History, why do they disintegrate and collapse? Why do civilizations disintegrate and ultimately collapse? And one of the major reasons that they do is lawlessness leads to what? Destructions. They are Arnold Toynbee's words as he has looked at 19 previous civilizations. And guess where we are today? We are about to be civilization number 20. And we are heading in exactly the same direction. How do you protect moral values in an immoral world? Okay, that's our big question for this afternoon. How do you protect moral values in an immoral world? And in case you're wondering whether we really do have immorality here in Australia, just turn on your TV. Just take a look at some of the shows that are on TV now. I mean, there's a show called Married at First Sight. I hope nobody here watches it. It basically makes a joke of the holiness and the sacredness of marriage. That's where we're at today. That's just marriage. And we're going to discover the importance of marriage, which is the very bedrock, marriage and the family, the very bedrock of society. So to answer this question, we need to pray. We need to ask God to bless our time in his word because I don't want you to hear what I've got to say. That doesn't matter. Amen? Who cares what Danny says? Amen? You should all say amen. Because as I've pointed out, who cares what I think? And with all due respect, who cares what you think? What matters at the end of the day, and the only thing that matters to me, and it ought to matter to you, is what God says in His Word. Amen? So we need to find out from what God has to say in His Word. You didn't come here to hear me. You came here to hear what God has to say. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven. We just want to thank you so much that we have your word. We ask and pray that as we open up your word, that you will open up our hearts and our minds. And in the course of this time that we have left together, that we will understand what your plan is and, and, and how we can have the, the, the most peace and harmony in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, according to your holy word. Father, this world is, is, is sinking it's sinking in immorality. It's, it's, it's come to a point where we are so engrossed in it, we no longer see it as a problem. Father, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from your word. Give us your word, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to go to the book of Revelation for the answer. That's where we're going to begin. The book of Revelation, there God has a final message of love that he shares with the whole world. In Revelation 14, it's described as the, 
the three angels' messages, um, God's final message of love to the world. Notice how this message begins in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. John writes, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Is this really the last message for humanity? Absolutely. What is this message called? The everlasting what? Gospel. What did Jesus say in Matthew 24 verse 14? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in how much of the world? In all the world as a witness to how many nations? To all the nations and what's going to happen then? The end will come. Jesus will come. So this is the message for today. It's the message for when? For today. And so you and I are living today and we want to find out what God has for us today. Amen? Are we ready? This is what it says. Saying with a loud voice. And the words there, loud voice in the original are megaphone. What English words do we get from megaphone? Megaphone. Is a megaphone loud? It's probably louder than me even. It's hard to believe. No, no, Mary's saying, no, it's not louder than you. <laughs> with a megaphone voice. Notice these words. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is how the angel begins. This is the first angel's message. There are three. This is the first one. Neil's going to look at the second and the third one in the coming weeks. Have a look at how this message begins. Fear who? Fear God. You may be thinking, what? Danny, this is good news? How can this be good news? Fear God. I thought God is someone to be loved. I thought the Bible says that God is love. What do you mean God asks us to fear him? Well, when we're not quite sure and, and when we come across some scriptures that don't seem to be in harmony with our overall understanding on who God is and the character of God, what do we need to do? We need to look elsewhere. We need to start doing some investigation. We need to start joining the dots, just like a puzzle. You don't know what the puzzle is based on one piece, do you? What do you have to do if you're into jigsaw puzzles? In order to find out what the picture is, what do you have to do? You have to put all the pieces together, isn't that right? And away you go. I'm really good at jigsaw puzzles that have about 10 pieces, not more than that. That's about my limit. Some of you are probably into jigsaw puzzles. So let's find out what fear God means. This, these two words appear a number of times in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. Notice the context of those words here in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. What does the Lord your God require of you but to what? Fear the Lord your God. There are those words again. Fear the Lord your God. Now we're going to have an explanation of what it means to fear God. Here we go. To walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Sounds like what Jesus said. Isn't that right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And to keep the what? The commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I have commanded you for your good. So to love God is to fear God. To fear God is to honor him. It's to keep his commandments, to keep his statutes. It's to love him with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's what it means to fear God. Does that make sense? That makes sense based on who God is. It's just like all these signs that we have on the road. Why are the signs given to us? Are they for our good or are they for our bad? They're for our good, isn't that right? 
I came to this meeting in peace. I was driving on the, on the M1 from where I live, and I drove in peace because everybody was abiding by the rules, pretty much, by and large. Do you think I would have had the guts to leave home and to come here if there were no road laws? Do you think I would have had the guts to get in my car and go? No chance. You've got to be joking. I love you, but don't love you that much. With all due respect. The road laws are there to protect us. Isn't that true? We're going to discover that God's law, God's Ten Commandments, has been given to us by God. That is His GPS. And it's there to protect our most precious relationships between God and between one another. And we're going to look at that as we go along. Notice what the Bible says about God's law, about His Ten Commandments. Proverbs 29, 18. Happy is he who does what? Keeps the law. God wants you to be happy. He wants your good always. Here's another one, and we could go on and on. Psalm 119, 165. Great what? Peace. Have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. God wants us to have peace. He wants us to be happy. When everyone's following the road rules, you and I are happy driving. Amen? Have you heard of road rage? Yes, we've all heard of road rage. Hopefully we haven't experienced road rage, but probably some of us have. That's when things go out the window. Isn't that true? When road rage happens. What did Jesus say in John 15, 10? If you keep my commandments, you will what? Abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The commandments, God's commandments of love is what this world is so, so short of. This world is desperately in need of God's law. That is why things are the way they are in our society. How important is God's law? Well, love is the very foundation of God's government. Now, what's this got to do with the Ten Commandments? What's this got to do with the law of God? Well, you'll discover as you read Scripture that not only God is love, which we know from 1 John 4, 8, but you'll discover that everything that God is, God's law is. God is love, good, holy, perfect, pure, just, true, spiritual, righteous, faithful, unchangeable, eternal. All these characteristics that describe God also describe His law. We don't have time to look at each one. I'm praying that you will go home and the sheet that I'm going to give you, you will go through each one of those scriptures and you will compare God and who He is with His law. In fact, in fact, God's Ten Commandments are a very transcript of His character. You do away with God's Ten Commandments, you do away with who God is. They are intricately linked. God's law and His character are one and the same thing as you go through Scripture. Absolutely. You go home and you check it out. It's absolutely amazing. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Can you see that love for God, love for Jesus, and keeping the commandments go hand in hand? Isn't that true? Isn't that what happens in marriage? Well, it should happen in marriage. When you get married, don't you say, I will honor you, I will love you, I'll be faithful to you, till what? Till next week? Or till I have a better option? 
No. What do we say when we get married? Till what? Till death do us part. Marriage is the exact same principle as God relating to us through his commandments. We show Jesus' love by entering into that relationship that he has spelled out in those 10 beautiful principles of love that we have in the 10 commandments. Just like two people who get married, they have, they have principles that they both agree to at the altar, isn't that true? That are there to protect what? Protect their relationship. Can you see it? It's not rocket science. It's so easy. It's so simple to see. Today, God is calling the world back to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments define and protect our most precious relationships. The Ten Commandments are all about relationships. What are they all about? Relationships. And guess what? In my world that I live in, for me, the most important thing in my life is relationships. You can take away my car, you can take away my mountain bike, which I love, you can take away my tennis rackets, which I really love, you can take away my house, you can take away whatever I have that is tangible, and I will live and I will do okay, and I'll get through. But you take away my wife and my children, and I'm telling you that's a different kettle of fish, amen? For me, my world revolves around my family. My world revolves around my relationships with my wife and my two daughters and obviously God, which we're going to look at. That is what matters at the end of the day, isn't that right? Relationships. You can replace things, but you cannot replace people. Isn't that true? In your life, relationships are what matters. The first four commandments protect our relationship with God. The last six protect our relationships with one another. Can you see God's law is all about relationships? It's all about what? I'm going to say it over and over again. It's not about do's and don'ts. A lot of people are like, oh, those Ten Commandments, I can't handle those Ten Commandments. It's all about thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, thou shalt not do the other. No, 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 no. The reason why you tell your little boy, your little girl, don't do such a thing. Thou shalt not cross the road on your own. Thou shalt not touch the stove. It's not because you want to be a party pooper, parent, but because you love your child. Isn't that true? You want to protect your child. You want to protect that relationship that you have with your child. It's all about protecting relationships. God's commandments are like a hedge like a hedge that God placed around the human family. And as long as we remain within that hedge, we enjoy God's GPS, which stands for what? God's? Oh, you've forgotten already. God's perfect solution. Thank you. For peace and happiness. We don't have peace and happiness and harmony in our homes, in our society, because God's GPS has been thrown out the window, which is his law of love. Absolutely. There's no other way to explain why we have the turmoil today in society that we do. Let me illustrate. Let me illustrate how this law of love indeed protects relationship. Here is commandment number seven, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. And God simply says, using five words, 
You shall not commit what? Adultery. God is protecting what? Marriage. Marriage is the very bedrock of society. Marriage and the family is the very bedrock of society. That's one of the two blessings that God gave in the Garden of Eden to the human race. Marriage and the family. This was me and my wife 23 years ago, yes. I know I looked a lot younger. <laughs> but um, yes, do we look happy? Yes. yes. Am I still happy? Absolutely. Is my wife still happy? Well, you'd have to ask her. <laughs> she is happy. I've told her, I've told my wife, regardless of where you think you're going, I'm going to be following you. So don't bother, don't bother leaving me. Don't even contemplate it because I'm going to be on your tail and make your life miserable. So you're just better off hanging around with me and doing the best you can. Now, we have a wonderful time together. And um, my grandparents, by the way, remember I shared with them? How long have they been married for? Do you remember? 71 years. My grandparents have been married for 71 years. And you know what? Do you want to know the secret to their marriage? I asked my grandma one day, a couple of years ago, I said, Grandma, you've been married for 71 years. I mean, that's unheard of. Um, what's the secret to being married for so long? And, and she looked at me and she said, Oh, my dear son, she says, your grandfather's deaf. Which he is. <laughs> my grandfather's deaf. So maybe, I don't know, Neil, I don't know if that else. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know where I slipped that in. That wasn't part of my notes for today. Let's talk about something really serious, HIV AIDS. Do you know that if we simply, if we simply as a human race preserved the sacredness of intimacy in marriage, there would be no HIV AIDS. Think about that for a minute. There would be no HIV AIDS if intimacy only took place between a man and a woman in a marital relationship as God originally designed. There'd be no HIV AIDS. Absolutely none. Zero. Today, do you know how many people are infected around the world with HIV AIDS? 40 million people today are infected. 80 million people have been infected since 1983 when it became known. Statistics, I went online this afternoon to the United Nations um, the statistics, one million people, I won't go through all these other statistics, one million people die from AIDS-related illnesses. That was in 2016. One million people are dying. Today we've got better medications in order to treat people with, with HIV, AIDS, and prolong their life. So this is telling us that there are more and more people contracting this horrible illness. Now, that's all statistics on a website, and it doesn't mean anything to you and me until you do what I did. I went to Malawi back in 2012 to run a program such as this. And while I was in Malawi in 2012, um, we decided that we wanted to do something for the community um, to, to really help them in their physical needs. Now, Malawi is a country of about 18 million people. It's one of the poorest countries in Africa. And um, sadly, there are 1 million people who are infected with HIV AIDS. That's, that's more than 5% of the population. Um, 1 million out of 18 million. So what do you do? Uh, we wanted to provide HIV screening, but if we simply put up a big sign saying come for, for a screening, nobody would come because there's a stigma attached to it, there's a, lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of embarrassment and so on and so forth. 
So instead, we set up these health tents, and here are the people lining up, and there they can come to simply get a health checkup. And along with their health checkup, they're also going to get a HIV AIDS um, checkup. Do you know how many? And there was a line all day, basically all day, there was a line of people queuing up. One third of all those who queued up were HIV positive. Now, it really comes close to home when you have young girls, and I'm probably going to get emotional, so I've got to just contain myself. I invited those who wanted special prayer to come, and I would pray with them every night after the program. And I had a number of young girls and some guys that came along, and I could see on their face that they were struggling. And they simply said, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm very, very sick. These young 14, 15, 16-year-old girls who have contracted HIV AIDS. It's no longer a statistic on a website. Now it's real. I cried with them. I literally cried with them. If only, if only we followed God's instructions those young ladies wouldn't have to face what they're facing today. Millions, millions of them. It's not one or two. Why did God give us the commandments? It was to protect our health, to protect our relationship, to protect our lives. That is why God, oh boy, I need to pass this. This was young, one young lady. She sadly also had HIV, and just look into her face. Look into this teenager, this teenager's face. It's so sad, so sad. God's law of love. This is how God's law of love reads. The first four commandments deal with God, our relationship with God. The fifth commandment deals with family, marriage and the family. Honor your mother and your what? And your father. That's talking about the family, the very foundation of the last six commandments is what? Marriage and the family. And what's happening to marriage and the family today? It's being dismantled, it's being destroyed. Isn't that true? Absolutely. The next four deal with our relationship with others, including our relationship that ought not to be a relationship with someone else's spouse, as we have already looked at, commandment number seven. And finally, commandment number 10 deals with possessions. Don't cover your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's goods, your neighbor's ox and donkey. I hope you don't cover your neighbor's ox and donkey. <coughs> don't cover it. Not a problem for you. That's good. So, commandment number 10, right at the bottom, deals with what? Possessions. You know what we have done in our society? I want to put it to you that in our society, we have turned God's commandments upside down. Whilst ever God's commandments read and, and are placed in our prior, in, our, in the lives, in our lives as this priority, guess what? Society is going which way? Up. Can you see the arrow? Or you can't see the arrow? How many of you can see the arrow? All right, that's good. I'm thinking, am I the only one that can see the arrow? <laughs> God, family, others, possessions. There's the arrow. And as long as our priorities as a society are God first, family second, others third, possessions last, we are heading 
North, praise the Lord. All is going well. But guess where our society is today? Guess what's most important in most people's lives? Possessions. Possessions. Others, friends, family. Who's got time for family anyway? Do you know that the average teenager today in Australia spends like about two minutes with their mother or father a day? Did you know that? And I can tell you, I can tell you that they don't spend two minutes a day on their iPhones or on their tablets. I can tell you that for free. You didn't pay to hear that. And guess who's at the bottom of our list? God. Can you see what's happening? Can you see an arrow? They still can't see an arrow. Can you see an arrow? Where is the arrow heading? South. Guess where our society is heading? South. We have put possessions at the top of our agendas, chasing bigger, more money, more assets, more this, more that, more debt. God? Who's got time for God? I mean, please, I haven't got time for God when I'm busy trying to raise up an empire. The Ten Commandments are God's standard in the judgment. You may be thinking, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean? Let me explain. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Solomon writes these words at the end of his book. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. There are those words again. Fear God and keep his what? Commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. God's holy law of love will be the very standard that every single man, woman, and child on the planet will be judged by. You will either be in heaven or not based on God's law of love. Now you're thinking, what? Really? God's law of love will determine whether I'm in heaven or not? Absolutely. You think about this for a moment. Every single person on the planet has been given a special gift from God, apart from the freedom to choose, another gift, and that is a conscience. Have you heard of a conscience? Do you need me to tell you that it's wrong to steal? Do you, do, you need for me, do you need for me to tell you that it's wrong to steal? No. Do you need for me to tell you that it's wrong to murder? No. What about to lie? What about to steal someone's husband or wife? No. No, you don't need anyone to tell you that. Why? Because God has written His law on our consciences. Whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Alaska, whether you're in Antarctica, whether you're in America, whether you're in Argentina, it makes no difference. Every single person on the planet that is born with a sound mind has been given a conscience. And based on whether you follow your conscience and what is right or not will depend on whether you are part of God's everlasting kingdom of love. Because guess what? As we have discovered... God's very law, His very law is the very foundation of His government. Just like the Australian government has a foundation that, 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 is, that is at the very heart of how we operate as a country. What's the, what's the very heart of the Australian government? Its very foundation. What is it? Call, with, with the word C, Constitution. Have you heard of the Constitution? How important is the Constitution to Australia? What happens if we just threw the Constitution out the window? 
it'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? There would be absolute anarchy. There would be mayhem on the streets here in Australia. I wouldn't want to live on this, uh, in this country. God's constitution, according to scripture, is his Ten Commandments. Because it is God's very character, as we've already looked at. Can you see the two? Absolutely. And so when, the, when, 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 it's, when it's time for the judgment, regardless of whether you've heard of God, of the Bible, whether you've even heard of Jesus, because some people ask me, how is God going to judge whether to accept those into his kingdom who've never even heard of him, have never even heard of Jesus? Are there people today in the world that have never heard of Jesus? Absolutely, millions of them. Are there people in the world today that have never even heard of the Bible? Absolutely. I mean, they can't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be saved. They can't. They've never even heard of Jesus. They don't even know about a Bible. That is why God's law of love will determine whether they want to be part of his kingdom or not. And in fact, the Bible says that in eternity, those individuals will come to Jesus and they'll say, where did you get these scars? And Jesus will share with them how they ended up being there. I want to be there listening to Jesus explain how they got there based on, based on his sacrifice for them. That's just going to be awesome. So let's, talk, uh, let's ask a, a few more questions. Can I be saved by keeping God's law? What does the Bible say? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved by what? By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of worse, lest anyone should boast. We're not saved by what we do. We're not saved by that. We are saved by God's grace. The commandments are not there to save anyone. They can't save you. Because we are saved by grace, can we now transgress God's law? Does it matter? Notice what the Bible says, Romans 6, 14 and 15. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under what? Grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And what does he say? Certainly not. Absolutely not on your life. God's Ten Commandments are simply like a mirror. Have you used a mirror lately? Ladies, I'm sure you have. And probably some of the men have. Do you use mirrors? Yes, Neil does as well. I do too. What's the purpose of a mirror? To show you how, to show you how good you look or how bad you look. Or what you have to do, yeah. We go to the mirror every morning... Some of us go many times during the day, like my daughter. I hope she doesn't see this. We go to the mirror to, to find out what needs changing. Isn't that right? Absolutely. That's why we go to the mirror. God's law is like a mirror. And that's what the book of James actually says. You can go home and read it. I've got it in the notes. God's law is like a mirror. It tells us what we are like. It tells us that we're sinners. We are what? We're sinners and we need a saviour. And that saviour, his name is what? Jesus Christ. And his grace alone saves us. If you didn't have a mirror, if you didn't know that you were a sinner, would you have any need for a saviour? Absolutely not. How do you know what sin is? Unless it's pointed out to you. You have no idea. In fact, that is exactly what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the what? 
knowledge of sin. We only know that something is sin because God has said so in His law of love. You only know that you are breaking the law on the road because there are what on the road? There are road signs. There are signs saying going 60 or 70. Imagine the policeman pulling you up and saying you were speeding when there would be no when, when there's no signs. That's ridiculous. The reason why you get pulled up and fined is because you broke the what? The laws of the road that were very what? Visible. Absolutely. Isn't that true? So God's law is visible and that is how we know what sin is. Ultimately, our love for God will determine our loyalty to His law of love. Notice what we read in 1 John 5, 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Can you see the love of God and keeping His commandments are linked? For this is the love of God that we what? Keep His commandments. And His commandments are what? Not burdensome. Two people that love one another. It's not a burden for them to serve one another. Isn't that true? Where my wife says to me, Danny, put the washing out. Is it a burden? Well, it is. It is if, listen, listen. I didn't finish my sentence. When my wife says, Danny, can you please help me by putting out the washing? It would be a burden if, there's a big if, if I didn't love her and if I didn't want to serve her. And by serving her and showing her love, I would find joy in that. Isn't that true? Absolutely. So the analogy is very clear. When we love God, we love to keep His commandments. Does that make sense? Yes or no? That's exactly what the Bible says. Here is another scripture, 1 John 2, 3. Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. John 17, 3 says... And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing, it's all about relationship. It's all about what? Relationship. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a what? A liar and the truth is not in him. That's what the Bible teaches. Not to be saved, but because we are saved and we want to have a relationship with the God who has saved us. Where does God want to place his law? Notice Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their what? On their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God wants to place his law of love in our hearts. And finally, the book of Revelation describes God's end time faithful people. Notice how the book of Revelation describes God's end time faithful people. Here are the words Revelation chapter 12, 17. It says, And the dragon. Who do you think the dragon is? That's the devil and Satan. That's what we know of from the book of Revelation. And the dragon, Satan, was enraged with the woman, a symbol of the church at the end of time, and he went to make war with the rest or the remnant of her offspring who do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Why is Satan furious with God's end time people? I'll tell you why. It's because they keep the commandments of God. Why would that infuriate the devil so much? It's because Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Does the devil want anyone showing love to Jesus? That is what infuriates him. And once again, let's never forget that the greatest 
the greatest sign of allegiance and faithfulness is obedience. Let me say that again. The greatest sign of faithfulness and allegiance is obedience. That's what two people share with one another at the altar. Isn't that true? Absolutely. That is the greatest form of allegiance is obedience. Here's another one. Revelation 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Once again, the same thing. One more scripture. Three times the book of Revelation talks about this group of people who keep the commandments. And three is completeness. You have God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three is completeness. So this is uh, a completeness of obedience to God out of love for Jesus. Blessed are those who are do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Hmm, I wonder why the devil doesn't like them. He doesn't want them going into the city. He wants them to be destroyed with him. But outside the city are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a what? A lie. What did we read earlier? Those who say they know God but do not keep his commandments are what? They're liars. So if you say, I love God, but you're not willing to keep by his grace and through his strength, his 10 commandments, you are a liar. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say that. Don't pick on me after the program. That is what Revelation says. They are liars. And notice, who is outside the city? The sexually immoral. Is that one of the commandments? Murder. Is that one of the commandments? Idolatry. Is that one of the commandments? Yes. Inside the city are commandment keepers. Outside the city are commandment breakers. Those who are inside the city have chosen to live their lives eternally by God's law of love. And let me share with you something that just will blow your mind away. You ready for this? You got your seatbelts on? This will blow your socks off. I was going to share it earlier, but I forgot and God's brought it to my attention right now. The Ten Commandments. When did God give the Ten Commandments? Do you remember? When did he give the Ten Commandments? At Sinai to the children of Israel, okay, when they came out of Egypt. I used to think, listen to me carefully, I used to think that God wrote the Ten Commandments with his very own finger on two tablets of stone from Mount Sinai until, until I discovered where those two tablets really came from. The first ones, not the second ones, the first ones. Do you realize that God chiseled out of his very throne room in heaven two tablets of blue sapphire stone. That's why I'm wearing the blue shirt this afternoon. Two tablets of blue sapphire stone God chiseled out from his very throne room in heaven and he wrote his law of love on those two sapphire, blue sapphire stone tablets and he handed them to Moses, the very first ones. You're thinking, really? I've never read that before in the Bible. Go home and read the notes. The notes are worth reading just for that. I've got all the scriptures there to help you understand. So where did God's law come from? From his very throne room. Blue. Why blue? You think about it. When you go outside and there's no clouds, what do you see? Blue sky. God's law. Blue. Designed so that you and I will never, ever forget. God's law of love. Every time we look up, every time you see my blue shirt, 
you'll remember God's law of love. And there's something significant about blue. What color is blue? And, oh, I should say, why, why is blue so significant? Does anyone know? Think of royalty. Have you heard of royal blue? Yeah, absolutely. Royalty. God's law of love. His royal law of love. Anyway, that was, that was for free. You didn't pay for that. I want to finish off with what Jesus says in John 14, 15. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. It's all about love. God's law of love. It's not for his blessing. God didn't give us the commandments so that you know, he would feel better. It's not for him. God's law of love is for who? For us. For us. Not for him, but for us. And we enter into a relationship with him through his law of love. Well, it's time for us to finish. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much for your law of love. Wow. We can now clearly see why, why our society has gone so far off the rails. Father, those rails are called your Ten Commandments. And Father, we have turned our back as a society on your Ten Commandments, on your word. And today we are hemorrhaging. We are suffering the consequences. But Father, my prayer is for every single person here in this room, those who are watching online or watching on DVD, I pray, Father, that we will respond, we will receive your law of love, that it may govern our lives, our families, our marriages as you designed for our happiness, for our joy, and for our peace. Father, I thank you for your law of love. You are an awesome God that has given us this wonderful law of love to protect our most precious relationships with you and with one another. And we thank you for that and we will be eternally grateful. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen and Amen.